you know, when when I was trying to to uh, get a book so that my I could pay over twenty dollars this week, uh, I was looking for an indie spotlight and realized that my the El Camino Comics does not carry indie books. It just doesn't happen. Well, you know what? They do have independent comic books. You have to ask for them. They're the Jesus comics that are written in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> They're the kind that uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses brought over to Wayne last week. Well, you, yeah. you know, I'm pretty sure if I didn't tell my comic book guy, hey, order me Kevin Smith's Green Hornet and Haunt, he wouldn't carry him. Yeah. So I did ask my wife exactly what the uh, they had to say about comic books, and apparently they went to a spiel about how Superman was like Jesus because, you know, he died and he came back and because uh, Jesus died fighting fucking Doomsday. <laughs> <laughs> hey, technically, I would buy that comic. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if somebody out there had made it. So if you one, take it figuratively rather than literally. That, what, that is what he was finding. One of my buddies, he works uh, – he's a musician, uh, music director for church. And so I'm out to dinner with him and a bunch of his other church buddies. And he's got this big idea about how uh, – about a new fundraiser for their church. And it's called Stand Up for Jesus. And they bring in you know, Christian stand-up comedians you know, to, to, to do stand-up comedy with a Christian theme. And I said, oh, I am so there. And he's like, oh, yeah, what, what, what's your bit? And I said – so, uh, you know, Easter Sunday, Jesus, uh, you know, comes out of the tomb, sees his shadow, six more weeks of Lent. <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you how nobody at the table laughed. <laughs> <laughs> Books with Aaron and Polly. I'm Aaron, and they're amazing friends. <laughs> I, I, I'm Polly. This is Wayne, and I'm not sure if I'm an amazing friend or an afterthought. <laughs> Feel bad about that, I do. <laughs> this is Jonathan. This is Tim, and I took Wayne's amazing. <laughs> I like that. Funny books with Aaron and Polly and their afterthought friends. <laughs> Time to rebrand the show. It'll be bigger than Jesus, Aaron. <laughs> and I'm subscribing. <laughs> How you guys doing this week? Any week I get to talk to Dan Jurgens is a good week. Yeah, and yeah, we got to talk to him like twice within like ten days. I think he's stalking us. I think so too. He wants to be an amazing friend. I thought we were stalking him. I think he might be a little sweet on us. You saw how quickly he answered the phone. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Hey, Aaron? Aaron, is this what? you? And I think that it was very much one of those things. He was probably answering calls all day. Sorry, Dan DiDito. Can't talk to you right now. Aaron's calling. You know. <laughs> I'm waiting on a very important call. That's right. Funny Books is calling. I, I got I to gotta go. I can't, can't tie up the line. I don't trust call waiting. These are the only guys that have asked me about Solar in 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about Zero Hour. Come on. I have to tell you, that was, that was a great two interviews. The, he teased the interview the first week. 
And then the day after we drop it, the big news breaks. And that was just awesome. I just, I, if you guys haven't listened to the to the episode yet, you got to go out and listen to both of them. Really good, really good interview with Dan Jurgens. Listen to it now, bastards. Well, not now. Finish listening to this one, then go listen to the other. No, because we're going to spoil it. Stop this. Go listen to the other ones. Download them twice, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> you know, and even if you're not going to listen, just download. Yeah, please. <laughs> just add the numbers. And have all your family members download them and your 12-year-old sister. Come on. She has nothing better to do. And the six-year-old Somalian that you support. <laughs> with the laptop. <laughs> with the iMac. Yes. And your illegal immigrant house servants. You know, have them downloaded as well. And apparently illegal commentary about illegal immigrant house servants kills the joke. <laughs> yeah, that, Aaron, that, was, that was a step too far. Yeah, whoa. Yeah, come on, Aaron. Politics. Yeah. Unacceptable. <laughs> you always got to go past the line, don't you? <laughs> Next thing you know, he'll start talking about persuasion. And <laughs> oh, no. <sighs> too soon? <laughs> Well, lots of big news this weekend. Um, we're recording on Saturday, so only one day has occurred at uh, C2E2, the the big um, inaugural convention uh, going on this weekend in Chicago. But uh, it's it was a big freaking day of news, um, especially for Marvel. More Secret Avengers were revealed, as I've heard. But you know, in addition to Moon Knight, Valkyrie, War Machine, and um, Beast, uh, Steve Rogers. Um, and Nova were announced as well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you sound disappointed, Jonathan. That is that's horrible news because I really enjoyed Nova. I have too, and uh, I, I wonder what that means to his ongoing. Because, you know, I've enjoyed having Nova out in space and doing stuff out there. I, I was wondering that as well, Aaron, because I'm putting together a new uh, pull list and... I uh, was going off of the solicits for May, which does not feature Nova or Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, really? Yeah, for the solicits for May. Interesting, because I know uh, next week Guardians of the Galaxy comes out and it has Thanos in it. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's... uh, Yeah, isn't that series, what is it called, Thanos Imperative or something Mm -hmm. like that? Yeah. Maybe that preempts both of the series, I don't know. Yeah, I hope not. Now now Jonathan has me upset. Aw, don't cry. You know, here, this will cheer you up. You can get Steve Rogers twice a month because not only is he in Secret Avengers, he has his own miniseries coming up. But it will depress you because it's uh, written by Ed Brubaker and uh, drawn by Dale Eaglesham. So I guess he's leaving Ooh. Fantastic Four. I I don't think – is Dale leaving Fantastic Four? I don't think he is. Well, how can he do two books in one month? I don't know. Because nobody can do two books in one month. Wow. Yeah. It, it, and uh, it, I mean, it looks pretty cool because Dale Eaglesham is a good artist and all. But I mean, I guess it's kind of sad that he's not going to be on. Well, he, we, it, there's no confirmation that he won't be in Fantastic Four anymore. You know, I don't know why you guys feel like you've got to upset me. Misery loves company, yeah. and I'm miserable. <laughs> but you know what? Let's kick you while you're down and let you know that Fantastic Four will soon be the Fantastic Three. And I, that's because the thing is going to go over and be an Avenger. I don't know. Um, they, all they've announced is they have this big banner art that has a n- number three. Um, and, you know, I guess it would make sense if Thing goes over to be a new Avenger. But, you know, fucking Spider-Man's in four groups. Maybe, you know, I don't, I, I don't know why Thing can only be in one. 
Well, the thing is, no Spider-Man and no Wolverine. I don't think he's capable of being in a hundred different places at once and breaking all of continuity at the same time. I want to get Deadpool's thoughts on Thing in two books. You know, you guys are just touching all over my rant today, <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just waiting to be unleashed. But what about, what about the other news of Vampire Jubilee? Yeah, on the same team as Blade, X-Man, Spider-Man, Psylocke, Gambit, Elektra, and Hope. Like, th- there's your new X-Men, Jonathan. <laughs> I am making two predictions about this. Either this is going to be a team-up book, and that's why we're seeing so many mutants and non-mutants in it. Or this is going to be a new Exiles team. But they I just don't... cut out the middleman and set a tree on fire? <laughs> that sounds horrible. I mean – I like the idea of, you know, everyone knows I'm a big X-Man fan. I mean, Nate Gray was one of my favorite characters for a long time, and I want to see him come back. But this team they're putting together is not where I want to see him coming back. You know, I'm curious to see what it is. I mean, we'll see what it is. The the big announcement's on Sunday, so by the time everyone's listening to this, check Ideology of Madness because, you know, why the hell bother going to 20 different websites when I link to all of them on ours? (laughs) Because um, we'll have the, you know, we'll we'll put the news as to what all these teasers are leading up to on the site. Uh, I'm yep. curious. I, I'm I'm holding judgment until I find out. Any book that has Blade in it, I mean, typically sucks. But I like the character. I am curious, but I'm disappointed by a few things about the solicits. One, we saw Hope, so now there's no threat that she could die in Second Coming. Not that I wanted her to die, but that was a tension that was actually there. I was wondering if they were going to kill her to get to Cyclops. Well, and Wayne, then... I think I think that she is going to die, but like much like a phoenix, she will rise from the ashes. <laughs> <laughs> well, what surprises me is that she... She obviously, post-Second Coming, goes back to her original tattered rags <laughs> because she's in the same crap she wore in the Cable series instead of, like, a nice costume. It's comfy. <laughs> yes. You know, potato sack, very comfy. I was disappointed to see Savage She-Hulk in there as well because I was hoping she would die in all this Hulk stuff. There, there are just too many Hulks. They need to pare them down. Hey, man, follow the Hulks is a misnomer. No Hulks will fall. Hulks are rising. There's more Hulks now. <laughs> it's the brightest day for Hulks. Yeah, just like Blackest Night was the happy, fun, resurrection, fluffy night. Yeah, but you know who is dying? Dracula is dying. They're, they're doing a, a series called The Death of Dracula. They won't say what it is, but they have some teaser art out there for it. Yeah, I'm not impressed. They've killed him before. Is Rick Remender going to be doing this book? Is who? Rick Remender. I don't know. They, uh, literally, all they've put is teaser art that says the death of Dracula. So mm. we'll see. I mean, maybe we'll find out more if the weekend goes on. Well, I don't know. Uh, I, lots of Marvel stuff going on. Lots of Marvel news. You know. So I guess it's a good thing that uh, with all these new titles, Jonathan's cutting back. <laughs> yeah, I uh, am making up my pull list as I uh, will be delivering it to uh, <laughs> my poor. Comic El shop Camino owner. Comics? El, El Camino Comics, yeah. Uh, and I am seriously cutting back. It's time that I took a stand. Uh, it's time that I just I stop bitching and start doing something. But before that, I'll bitch to you now. Uh, <laughs> well, I have a question real quick. How do you submit your poll list to El Camino Comics? Do you just write it in lipstick on the back windshield? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, Paul, how'd you know? <laughs> those weird defroster lines are for, so you can write straight. Uh, either that or I just wait till it hasn't been washed in a while, and I just write with my finger. Yeah, well, it hasn't been washed in a while, Jonathan. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm down to 18 titles. No, 17. And uh, the list could get shorter, uh, depending on where things go when uh, the heroic age begins. Uh, I've decided that if any character from an ongoing that I read is showing up on another team, boom, that, that, that series is gone, dead to me. Uh, and that includes books I like. Like, I've often fought for Amazing Spider-Man. Gone. Will not be picking it up anymore. Will not be picking up Thor. Uh, as of the announcements this week, no more Vengeance of the Moon Knight. And if there is a Nova, it's gone too. Um, you know, because I just can't do it anymore, guys. I can't do this. <laughs> I can't deal with these continuity issues. You know, I can't... I can't do what Matt Fraction wants me to do. Like I can't enjoy this story for the story because that's not why I'm reading the Marvel Universe. I could read anything if I wanted that. Uh, I'm reading it because it is supposed to be a universe. You know, the events in one book should have impact on the rest of the titles. You know, yeah. I'll be keeping I'll be keeping the forever stuff around because it's the only thing that stays within continuity by being completely out of it. So I'm happy with those. <laughs> yeah, a while back I set my rule of I don't buy anything that has a reprint in the back, especially if it's a if it's labeled giant size. I'm not touching it. I'm done with that. It's an interesting dynamic, though. I mean, I wrote a while back a, a blog over on the Fear the Boot forums about comic shop loyalty, and that's something I run into. I'm so used to going in and talking to these guys week after week that I – I feel bad when I go in and say I'm canceling something. So if I do say I'm canceling something, I usually end to add two or three things to the list after that. But I'm still driving an extra, you know, almost 10 miles from my comic shop when there's one a lot closer after, since I've moved. And it's because every time I go in, I go in thinking, OK, this is the week I'm going to tell them I'm going to drop my pool and then I'm going to stop on the way back home and start the pool at my other place, my comic shop that I cheat with. And that place. You know, that place has online pool list. I think they do a discount because my shop doesn't even do a discount. Mm -hmm. It's the only shop I know of that doesn't do a discount for a pool list. And there's just so much more that I would get from there and it's being closer. But I just can't bring myself to say, hey, guys, I, I'm dropping my list. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? Just like Allstate, if you want us to do it, we will cancel with your previous carrier so that you can sign up with the new <laughs> Put your future in good hands. Well, you know, that that's why I'm delivering my pull list now in, in the middle of the month. And I had originally told my guy about it last month. Uh, you know, I'm like, oh, well, you know, I, I just wanted to give him – it's like giving a two weeks notice at your job. <laughs> Did the yeah. dude in the mullet try to rough you up, Jonathan, when you tried to cut back? <laughs> <laughs> he said, I'll cut you, man. I'll cut you. <laughs> As it is, I have to hit both shops anyway because half the time something I wanted to get isn't at the first shop. Like this week it was New Mutants number 12. I almost didn't get it because my shop was sold out of it, and I had to had to stop somewhere else the next day and pick it up. Yeah, yeah Wayne, I feel your pain because since I've started the, the podcast, I've had to – switch shops because normally I, I get my stuff on Saturdays um, because that's when I go I go into one of the towns but 
since I've started, I've had to go to the one that's closer to my job. So yeah. I've still got a pull list going on in the one because uh, they don't get nights at the dinner table. So I got to <laughs> go get it in Apple and they don't, you know, the other, the other place, but I've been cheating as well. It's yeah, my and funny I know, books confessional. I know you're experiencing the other thing about being on a podcast about comic books. You've gone from like one to two books to three to four a week. And in my case, there's a lot of books that I've picked up that have been just from, you know, once I'm talking about comics, I'm getting excited about it. And yeah. suddenly I want to buy more stuff. And Well, you know, this- I, I have a, a wholly acceptable comic book shop walking distance from my house. And I drive 25 miles a week and pay a toll fee to go to the comic book shop that I like. Um, you know, I, I, I am blessed that there are a ton of comic book stores, you know, here in North Texas, but you know, why go to an adequate comic book shop when one of the best comic book shops in the Southwest is over in Dallas and, you know, they, they pull everything for me. I get a discount. They look for stuff, you know, they hunt stuff down and they've even coordinated interviews for me. So, I mean, these guys are terrific. I'm talking about Zeus comics. They're just an outstanding shop. And I am immensely loyal to them. In fact, I feel guilty when I'm traveling and I'll pick up a book somewhere else. You know, Paul Paul will take me over to uh, uh, one of his comic book shops there in Virginia, and I always feel like you know I'm cheating. <laughs> well, do you comic feel shop like loyalty is a really strange thing. I mean, it really is. Do you yeah. feel like you're getting Paul's sloppy seconds when you do that? Well, you know, he's used to that. <laughs> it really does help solidify a relationship when you share a lover. And uh, <laughs> that's what Paul and I are doing. Yeah. <laughs> well, you guys, you guys are all lucky because there's only one comic shop uh, within an hour and a half in any direction from me. So it's like being on an island with just one woman. I mean, I could cheat on her, but the only other person on the island is a 12-year-old, so it would be illegal. I, and I hesitate to talk about this on the show because I know some of my comic guys listen to the show. So if you're listening, don't take this the wrong way. If you're listening, <laughs> I love you. I love you so much. I just, I, 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 I I'm not, I'm the marrying kind. Um, Are you about to take a comic <laughs> shop that it's not them, it's you? <laughs> it is actually, but no, you know, I, I do have my local comic shop. I love my local comic shop. The owner is awesome. Like you said, if he doesn't have something, he'll look for it for me. Great guy, great comic shop. You know, but I, I, I like new and shiny things, too. <laughs> so, you know, there's a comic shop closer to where I work in Virginia Beach. Um, well, it's in Norfolk. And, uh, you know, so I hit them sometimes, too. Not sometimes. Lately, I've been hitting them weekly. That's, and, how, you know, that's so, how it starts, man. <laughs> yeah, every week and soon every day. No. (laughs) There was a time when every Saturday, because at that point I couldn't pick up my comics on Wednesdays because my shop was actually over 20 miles away at that point. There was a time when I was hitting three different comic stores every Saturday just because I felt loyal to the first, but it wouldn't have a ton of stuff. So then I'd go to the second one and I was building a relationship there and then they wouldn't have some stuff. So then I'd go to the third one and I came to realize I was spending $20 in each store every Saturday. Well, I know this is totally my fault. It is your fault. It is my fault. We've all mentioned it. (laughs) I don't set up pull lists because I just want to go in. I don't want to be committed 
yet I feel committed, um, to a single comic shop. I want to go in. I want to pick up whatever the hell I want. And if I don't want to pick up a book, I won't pick it up. And I won't feel guilty about putting it back on the shelf. Now, what, what's um, strange to me, Paul, is you know, more so than any other comics market I've been in, Virginia Beach sells out of stuff. You yes. know, I mean, it went on – I mean, stuff that you wouldn't think would sell out. But I've hit – you know, there are two or three different comic shops uh, up there in the Virginia Beach area that I have visited regularly on free on comic book day, not free comic book day, but regular comic book day. And I mean, they're out of stuff. And I'm like, how can you be out of Batman? <laughs> Let me be honest. <laughs> you know? I the, the two stores I frequent are probably the only good comic stores in the Hampton Roads area. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go and name them local heroes, comics in Norfolk and heroes and villains in Hampton yeah. are both great comic shops. Um, they both deserve my loyalty. Neither one of them specifically has a hundred of one a hundred percent of my loyalty. Um, but what I'm going to do, honestly, is I'm going to split my poll list. Uh, I- I'm probably going to pick up my DC books at one place, my Marvel books at the other, and I'll decide on the independents. But I will actually set up a poll list with them. I will, and I will get those books. That well, way, I don't feel guilty. And I'll say this because you know what you're not saying, Paul, is that this is a challenge. Local heroes, heroes and villains. Paul's love is up for grabs. You can win his 100% loyalty. The question is, are you willing to go anal? Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> it doesn't take much. Just, just hire a stripper for free comic book day and I'm there. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and you won't have to tip her because it's free. That, that's the whole purpose. Anyway, we're totally getting off the subject. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think the idea of a stripper at Free Comic Book Day is a great subject. I like maybe, the idea. Maybe yeah. she could be dressed up as Batgirl or Catwoman or or nothing. Um, <laughs> shirtless girl. <laughs> dress up as the pro. Remember Amazing that naked girl. I thought I was the only one that had read the pro. <laughs> You are. I, I just know of it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, some of the comic book stores in my area, actually a good number of them are closed on Tuesdays because, you know, no one goes to a comic shop on Tuesday when they know everything new comes out on Wednesday. Right. Um, but Diamond might be uh, effing all that up because they're talking about – and this is right on the tail announcement of Marvel leaving Diamond as its distributor. Um, so I don't know what this means for Marvel, uh, but Diamond is talking about possibly doing new comic book day on Tuesday. You know, I'm going to be frustrated if Marvel sticks with Wednesday and Diamond moves to Tuesday. I won't I won't get anything until Wednesday because I'm not going to do a two-day trip because yeah. every time I walk into a comic store, whether I plan on buying something or not, there's something on the shelf I get. And if I go one day and I'm strong like I was this week and I say I am not spending money on this book, when I go back in that second day, I'm going to spend money on that book. Yeah. Well, maybe if Marvel was smart, I mean they'll either go with Tuesday – or they can go with Marvel Monday, and then everyone will just wait till Tuesday to go. Yeah, Marvel is kind of the big dog in the market. I think most – if Marvel moved ahead, if they went to a Monday, I think most everybody else would probably move to Monday as well. I mean I think I think you know, Marvel's able to leave Diamond because they can leave Diamond. Nobody else really has that capacity. Even DC, which is a Time Warner company, doesn't have that kind of, of, of capital. You know, Marvel is you know, the market leader right now. And they can do that. I really want all the books out on the same day. I, I don't – because you know, the problem is is that you can say, well, I'll go on Wednesday to get it when everything's out. You know, um, But when you do that, everybody's talking about the brand new books on Tuesday. 
So, you know, you're going to have to, you know, not look at Twitter quite so closely, not visit your Facebook page, you know, if stay away. If it's not on your pull list, you're risking not getting the book because it exactly. sells out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what sucks about that. You know, I, they really need to have it on the same day, I mean, regardless of who your distributor is. You hear that, Marvel? You hear that, Diamond? We're watching you. They're on notice is what they are. <laughs> you are on funny book probation. <laughs> Triple funny book probation. That's right. Yeah, but I anyway, wonder if Diamond may be kicking this around just because Marvel's going off on their own. If they think they can get more sales by having their books come out all a day before Marvel's. It's possible. Instead of looking to the future, this week was uh, – there were a lot of big books this week. Well, I say a couple of big books this week. I guess we'll talk about this week's new funny books, uh, starting with our first – <laughs> and I, 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 th- this is our first because I, I did hear that some people will be sticking with it. Brightest Day update. Did anybody get the Black Lantern ring with Brightest Day number zero? The Black Lantern ring? No. I got a Black no. Lantern ring with Brightest Day number zero. I said I already had this, and it is the same thing. But apparently that, they were giving them away with Brightest Day number zero. Huh? I picked I had, up a new Green Lantern ring and I'm wearing it right now. But loser, I'm wearing my Flash ring. <laughs> Flash fact. <laughs> you know, I wasn't going to pick this book up. It was not on my pull list, but w- it was on the rack when I got to the store because I thought it was going to be a little bit like, uh, uh, you know, the one year later. I think it was the one year later zero issue, and it, it just kind of had little vignettes from each one of the each one of the stories. And you know, so I picked this up thinking it was going to be the same thing, and when I saw that it was actually, you know. All original, uh, one you know, continual kind of kind of a preamble to the story. I said, "Oh, okay, this actually is better than I thought it would be." You know, it looks like something I might enjoy, and I actually rather dug this book. It is a little bit of you know, we get a bunch of teasers of the upcoming storylines. Yeah, but, but it's it still is done as one cohesive whole. Exactly, there is one common thread that runs through it. And it, and it is, I mean, it does what a zero issue is supposed to do. It's supposed to just set up the ongoing story. But, you know, I've got a much better idea of that there was a reason that these guys came back at the end of Blackest Night. Whereas at the end of Blackest Night, I'm like, well, what the hell? You know? Yeah. And yeah, you know, I'm still in the category of I just don't care. The only <laughs> one of these storylines that I care about that they're doing is the, the uh, Kyle Reiner and Jade one. That one is still fascinating to me. But the rest of them, I could care less. None of these know. characters needed to come back. I, I disagree. I, I think I'm very curious to see where some of this is going. I like the fact that it's, you know, that it looks like it's going somewhere. They know where this is going. They're not going to make it up where, as they go along like they did with Countdown. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, 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 I did like the book. You know, I liked having the single artist. And I like the fact that about half of the books I bought this week were three ninety nine books. But this one was 50 pages worth of material. Right. Um, and original art and original and the, content. I mean, that's what that's what killed me about it. I was like, you know what? Because I was thinking, God, you know, you're going to do a zero issue for your next big thing. Shouldn't this be a dollar book? But I understand why it was three ninety nine. It was a chunk of stuff, and it was all original content. And I thought that it was all worthwhile. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I'm I'm sorry you didn't, Wayne, but you know. And, and I and I have to say, I, one of the things y'all heard me, uh, you know, in a recent episode declaiming you know the story that's happened with uh green arrow and whatnot kind of liked what they did in star city yeah you know i'm I'm curious to see where that one goes and even though i have no interest in the rise and fall of green arrow and red arrow and Mm -hmm. all that 
crap. Uh, I might pick up the first issue of the the Green Arrow Brightest Day series. Yeah, I mean, I, I was looking at that, going, huh, that might be interesting. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm now a little bit more interested in all this stuff. And so I was going through on the teaser pages at the back going, okay, well, which of these books am I going to pick up? Well, certainly I'm going to pick up brightest day. Uh, I'm going to pick up, uh, you know, I'm sticking with green lantern core and green lantern looking like I'm going to get green arrow. I'm already on board with the flash. I think I'm going to do justice league because, uh, I love Keith Giffen and Jed Winnick. Wait, let's clarify. Justice League Generation Lost, correct? Not actual James Robinson Justice. Correct. League. That, that's correct. That's correct. But yeah, I'm, 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 I mean, I loved that ori- you know Keith Gibbons' original run on Justice League International, um, and so seeing that he's got those characters there that I enjoyed so much, then I'm I'm jumping on that stuff. Birds of Prey with Gail Simone. I love Gail Simone, and it's got Ed Benes doing the artwork. I'm all over that. I you know, I love Gail Simone, but I dropped one of her books this week. I am not. I'm not buying Secret Six anymore. Really? Yeah. I, I've heard been, only awesome things about Secret Six. It has been really good. And this, uh, I didn't care much for the last arc before this one. It's still an interesting book, but it just became a, this week I had to make the decision. I had 14 or 15 books I was wanting to get and which ones were the ones I was most excited about. And that one was at least consistent. It never got really bad, but it just didn't make the cut. Wow. Hmm. Wow. Well, uh the only one that they that they teased here that I'm not picking up is Titans Villains for Hire. Yeah, I'm just not interested in Titans right now in, yeah. in, in any form, honestly. Sorry, Tim. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe they're kind of hinting that Jeff Johns uh, might come back to Teen Titans sometime soon, mm-hmm. and that you know those members of Young Justice who aren't on the team right now might be back on the team. Really? That was hinted uh, yesterday on C2E2 at C2E2. So if that happens. I would probably consider it. Man, I would you guys too. didn't talk about that. You talked about Secret Avengers and Tuesday comic <laughs> books. You don't tell me that. Well, that was <laughs> an official announcement. That was just teased. <laughs> consider me teased then. So but, yeah, I, I, big thumbs up to Brightest Day Number Zero. I uh, I'm I'm eager to see where that goes. And I and I you know I I know I know I know that these early books are always the easiest to write, and that you know I will eventually be let down in the end. But right now, I'm excited about it. But you know what may, gives me hope about Brightest Day, <laughs> besides it being bright, um, <laughs> is that this book wasn't just a ton of shock value. Yeah, it was actually a story that you know, and and you know, uh, uh, teasers rather than just a bunch of shock value that oh, like Blackest Night number one. Oh my God, everyone died and blah blah blah. And then it ended up not being great. You know, this is actually like it looks like it's going to take its time going somewhere. Yeah. Now, another Brightest Day book came out this week, Brightest Day, The Flash, number one. And before we chat about that, I just want to say I went and I picked up, based on your recommendation, Paul, uh, Secret Files, uh, Origins, 2010, The Flash, number one. Uh, And all I want to say about that, just to add on to what you said, is that the Scott Collins artwork in that book is hot. Just hot. Absolutely love the art in that. So, you know, big recommendation. If you didn't pick up the Secret Files Origins uh, to the Flash, go get that because it is really, really very good. Absolutely. And moving into the Flash number one, hands down, by far, my book of the week. Yeah, same here. Same here. This, And, you know, well, here's something interesting. Uh, Francis Manupol did the art for uh, – Adventure Comics. Thank you, Adventure Comics, you know, the, the Superboy comic. Um and I didn't care for his artwork there. 
Uh, it was a little bit too manga for me. Um, I thought it was a little too two-dimensional. And his artwork here is brilliant. Yeah, I absolutely love these pages. This is an, a gorgeous, gorgeous book. This is the yeah. art of his career. Yeah, it sure is. You know, and we talked about how when you do the Flash, you have to have that motion. Mm-hmm. You have to feel that sense of motion. He pulled it off well, stellarly. And let, let I would love to, to to to. This is one of those rare occasions where I think we ought to have a video cast. But you know, take the Flash Rebirth with the art by Ethan Van Skyver and put it side by side to Francis Manupool. And it makes Ethan Van Skyver's art look like a steaming pile of shit. I mean, you know, it just, it's just, that's just truth. I mean, you know, uh, Ethan Van Skyver was poorly paired to the Flash story. He didn't have the motion. He didn't have the energy. He just had a big mess on his pages. And 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 don't get me wrong, Ethan Van Skyver, very talented artist. He was not well suited to, to Flash Rebirth. Francis Manupul is just drawn his guts out here. Th- these pages are just stunning. And what makes this even more impressive is that if you follow Francis Manupal on Twitter, the dude isn't even doing this in his studio. He's working on a movie right now, traveling all over the world, and working on this in hotel rooms. Really? Yeah. I mean, right now he's at a shark station, so he's actually doing pages for The Flash in a shark station, and the book is still coming out on time. Yeah. So, you know, kudos to Francis Manupal, and not just the art, the story I thought was fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was very enjoyable. Uh, Jeff Johns just really has his his thumb on the pulse of uh, of the Flash. I mean, just thoroughly enjoyable. And you know, Jonathan, I have to say, this is the book you ought to be reading. You know, yeah. if you're wanting to if you're wanting to start off in, into the DC universe, this is the book you ought to be reading. In fact, you know, pick up the Secret Origins and uh, Flash Number One, and and you, you'll be right into it. I mean. It, you don't have to have all of the, you know, you don't have to be mired in Flash continuity to be able to read this series. But, dude, it's the Flash. You know what? He Screw this. Runs, he runs fast into clotheslining arms. Like, <laughs> no, he I, vibrates I through well, them. Like, there's a reason why Quicksilver doesn't have his own ongoing. <laughs> you know what? I'll settle this. Jonathan, I will send you a copy of The Flash number one. Okay. So you don't even have to put the three bucks into it. Or four bucks into it. I I'm will send for that. If you're buying it's... copies of Flash number one, I didn't pick it up either because it was, one of the... <laughs> <laughs> it was one of the ones I wanted to buy that just didn't make the cut. And it was a hard choice because I do like the character. But I know coming up, you're going to have the, uh, the Time Masters. You're going to have the return of Bruce Wayne. I'm going to be picking up a lot of miniseries from DC in the next, you know, four to six months. And well, Wayne, when I'm done with it, I'll title. Uh, send it to you. you know, <laughs> yeah, there wanna, you go. I want to apologize to Paul's poor starving kid in Africa because he's <laughs> spending his $3 to Jonathan, not you this week. <laughs> still download. Yeah, I, I still love you. Um, but no, I mean, the, the, the reason we say this is perfect for Jonathan is you can literally pick up this book, even as a non-comic fan, not being familiar with the DC Universe at all. I mean, let's be honest. And it is it, – it's a fun – Classic storytelling. First day on the job as a forensic investigator. You know, Barry Allen, you know, he's, you've got superhero action, you know, yeah. and, and it, you're introduced to the supporting cast. I just – I loved this book. Well, and, you know, when, I, when I think about the things that Jonathan often complains about, you know, he wants – 
characters in their bright costumes. He wants characters wearing their costumes. Um, and you have that in here. You have Flash wearing his costume. You have Flash acting like a hero. He's not going to kill anybody. He's not interested in killing anybody. He's interested in solving crimes and keeping people from being hurt. And, I mean, he acts like a hero. Um, I, Jonathan, I really do. I, 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 when I read this, I put this down going, this is the book Jonathan ought to be reading. Yeah. And now that you know, going back to the art a little bit, there, you know, there wasn't any, there weren't any shortcuts taken on the art. Uh, you know, I, there are so many little things that I didn't notice. I read this book twice this week. That's how mm-hmm. much I enjoyed it. You know, and on the third page of the book, there's a scene where this Chinese uh, delivery driver is on his bicycle, and his bicycle gets hit by a car. Right. And it's so subtle, but you don't even notice that in the next panel, um. The, the Chinese food is all set up perfectly back in his hands, and you see lightning around it. Like, the Flash, in the middle of this getaway chase, grabs all this Chinese food, fixes it all up, and puts it back back in the guy's hand so it doesn't fall on the ground. Right. I mean, just little things like that throughout the book. I mean, just little touches that I just really added to the experience. Yeah. It's an awesome book. It's an awesome book. Now, are you going to send him the uh, Secret Files Origin book as well? I, I honestly probably not because I can't even get my hands on another copy of that one. Well, I tell you what. Why don't you let me send him both? I'll send him uh, both the uh, Secret Files Origins and uh, the Flash Number One. Great. Okay. I like where you guys are going with this. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan's pull is just got a little bit shorter because everyone's just going to mail him stuff. <laughs> He's like, oh, I couldn't afford that, but I really wanted to read it. I'll tell you what, Jonathan. I'll just send it to you. <laughs> it's like a comic book outreach program. Well, no, cast. no, what it is, Jonathan, first one's free. Uh, <laughs> second one comes out of your ass. <laughs> you guys are my new El Camino comics family. <laughs> so, you know, at the end of uh, The Flash number one, we get a little teaser about Flashpoint, which is going to be the big Jeff Johns, Andy Kubert event for 2011. And you, know, you get some teasers there. Uh, like, and I think the one that uh, really struck me is the Professor Zoom costume coming out of uh, Flash's ring. Yeah, you know what's what bummed me out about that teaser? Mm. You know, I got excited about it. I'm really excited about it, especially knowing that it's going to be a big event, according to our interview with uh, Dan Jurgens or Jurgens. Mm-hmm. Um, it, after the beautiful Francis Manuel art, and don't yeah. get me wrong, Andy Kubert's no slouch. It's not as good. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's early. Yeah, true. It's, it's just a teaser, you know, for a book that's not coming out for another year. But uh, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm on board. Now, we did talk to, to Dan Jurgens about, uh, you know, the Time Masters Vanishing Point news that was revealed uh, uh, earlier in the week. And, you know, he did confirm that his Time Masters Vanishing Point ties into Flashpoint, which uh, uh, I, I think is – at the time we had it, I don't think anybody else had reported on that yet. So uh, be sure and go over and listen to the Dan Jurgens interview and, and get some of that information. Yeah. But uh, – in- Sorry. Before uh, – whatever. <laughs> you interrupted my transitions. No. <laughs> um, but, you know, before you can even get to the flash point and the vanishing point, Dan Jurgens, that was a shitty transition. Why don't we do yours? <laughs> <laughs> the battle for the transitions. Well, I was just going to say that, you know, along the lines of uh, Brightest Day, you also had Booster Gold number 31 uh, by Dan Jurgens that, you know, touches on some of the uh, Brightest Day elements 
uh, Vanishing Point, Return of Bruce Wayne, etc. This was Dan Jurgens' very last issue in this run of Booster Gold, at least for for a while. Um, I I thought the the artwork in this book was was really very nice. In fact, I love that opening page uh, with Booster Gold and the firefight. Now, uh, I, Wayne, you I read think it? this is yeah. I think this is probably the best art of any of the books I read this week. Um, looking through, I also, uh, I don't know if anyone else does this, but anytime you see Rip Hunter's chalkboard, yeah. DC is always dropping you hints about what's coming up next. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm piecing together. What is the, what does each one of these mean? Well, apparently something's going to happen with dark side and Zatara can reach the point much must mean that he's some, going to be somehow related to one of the upcoming, you know, either flashpoint or the, uh, the zero point storylines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mixelplix's dimension has the key. Look inside the suit. <laughs> and the Lord taketh away. Um, I, I thought the, the artwork was was awfully nice. I thought, uh, you know, uh, Dan Jurgens really did, did a nice job turning this one out. Um, we talk a lot about this So on, on the, the second interview we did with J- Dan Jurgens, so we won't spend a whole lot of time here. But boy, that last panel on the last page... That's uh, that's an awfully nice teaser. I, I got a geek Woody off of that one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as we know, uh, you know, Batman Bruce Wayne is is trapped in time, and he has been leaving clues throughout the timeline. And so, on the very last panel, of the very last page, Rip Hunter is you know at vanishing point, which exists kind of outside of time, and there is a little uh, Batman insignia that shows up on one of the monitors. Which and then there's the the little blurb that says "Follow Rip's adventures in the return of Bruce Wayne and Time Masters." Yeah, when I read that, I just kept, the first thing that jumped to my mind was Time Master sounds really cool. I wonder if it's related to the old Time Master series. Yeah, you know, and I wonder why they haven't announced this. And then the next day they did, and then we yeah. get Dan to come back on and talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, for our full discussion on that, please go check out that interview. Um, I I am saddened that he's leaving the title. But, you know, since Keith Giffen's coming on to handle the writing on it, uh, I'm kind of excited about that because Keith has handled the character before, and I've always kind of liked his take on Booster. So I'm sad, but I'm also happy that we're going to continue to see Booster over in the Time Masters book that I think comes out in July. I think that's what he told us. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. So uh, Brightest Day. Wow, we talked a lot about Brightest Day. (laughs) there were a couple of siege books this week. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say this and and I'm sorry to, uh, to our listeners who have gotten used to this being a Marvel podcast lately. Marvel was the big loser for me this week because I think out of the five Marvel books that I read, six Marvel, seven Marvel books that I read this week, uh, I only truly enjoyed one of them. You know, I, I, the, the the first Siege book I read was Siege Loki, and I was really looking forward to this because, you know, we talked to Kieran Gillen uh, several weeks ago. Uh, he teased it a little bit. I, I really enjoyed his take on the Norse gods, and I think what I disliked about this book was not the story. It was the artwork. I absolutely 100% agree. Um, I mean, to have that beautiful Marco Georgievic cover art and then open it up to the Jamie McElvey art inside that just – it just seems so very generic. You know, uh, It just doesn't fit the mood of what we've seen. I think this could have been a really cool book. 
you know, I discovered while reading it that Mephisto is ruined as a character for me after uh, one more day. And that's- I, when I got to him, that was the first thing I thought about. It's like I, I am actually have a aversion to this character after that story. But you know, eventually that story might be done away with this omit teaser by Casada and Rivera. I really think that's the uh, the end of the one more day, brand new day stuff. Hope so. Yeah, but anyway, sorry that was off you know, topic. But going back, I, to the book, I hope I just, so. But it's kind of like saying you're sorry after kicking someone in the nuts. The <laughs> kick is still there. Too little, too late. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't want to spoil this book necessarily, but it it's a very good interpretation of why Loki has been involved in the Cabal mm-hmm. and all the stuff he's done with Doctor Doom, and it it it. There's an answer in this book, and it was it was worth getting, even though yeah, it looks very yeah. animated. I and thought I, it was an interesting story. I don't think you have to read it to read uh, Siege at all. It's just kind of a, a little more behind the scenes. I just don't understand with Siege being as big a deal as it is, and Loki obviously being so key to that story, why you wouldn't have put a better artist on this book. I mean, the, the artist – there's this big scene where Loki fights the uh, – um, gosh, I forget what they're called now. The uh, the uh, women zombie things, and that could, that should have been a really nice page. That should have been a, a nice big fight scene, and you should have seen how awesome Loki can be in a fight. And you didn't get that. You know, yeah. I mean, it was just it was not well executed. But I thought the story was very good. I thought the writing was great. It had you know, a nice had, sense uh, of humor. When I was trying to pick which of these books I was getting, originally I picked up all three, and then I again I went through my what am I spending money on. I was looking at the art of all of them, and yeah, the the best art out of the three was the Young Avengers one. Yeah. I didn't like the art in the Captain America one. You know, I disliked the art in it more than I disliked the art in the Loki one. Yeah, yeah. So and moving on to that Captain America one, ugh, God, it was I, it was atrocious. This book made me mad. It was so bad. Well, you know what? And I, I'm gonna be I'm gonna Something that happened in both this book and Young Avengers, um, without jumping forward too much, when the hell do these things take place? <laughs> because I thought as soon as Asgard fell, then the century turned into the void. Right. So when did Captain America have time to have a fight over some dude and his family? Well, and on what planet is Razor? Is that his name? Razor? Um, strong enough or badass enough to take out both Bucky and Steve. I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, this guy's a I, chump. <laughs> I didn't have that time problem with Young Avengers in that I could see after Asgard falls, they may not get into the void fight. They may do cleanup and other work. But Captain America is too front and center. Yeah. I mean, if he just turned to void, Captain America is not going to be in the background doing cleanup work. He's going to be in the forefront of whatever's happening, even if he's completely out of his depths. That's right. Well, I don't know, because, I mean, Captain America, I mean, let's the book sucked, the art stuck, the story sucked. It made no sense. It doesn't yeah. fit in with the storyline. But, you know, the siege, I, I get what you're saying. The Young Avengers may not be involved in the Sentry fight, but why not? It's not even mentioned Right. You know, and, yeah. and you know, if this is supposed to take place literally between one panel and the next in, in, in Siege number three, you know, it, there 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 wasn't that 
display that time had passed yeah. and that they had saved survivors. And then they took out Norman Osborn and fought the century. No, I mean, it, it seemed like it was all very quick and very sudden. And uh, I don't know where this would have fallen into there. They might surprise us and not move into a century fight next. Isn't that all they have left? Isn't they might move it to siege giant size. Uh, it might not be at Asgard. I mean, it could be somewhere else. Well, I just, you know, I, I knew that I wasn't going to care for this on the first page. You know, the first page of the story. Looking at the uh, the family that's going to go out and, you know, catch video of, uh, of uh, you know, the siege. And, you know, I, I, I was like, well, maybe they'll just die. You know, because that would really – I think that would be a better story, you know, that a big chunk of Asgard falls on them and, hey, look at the stupid people, you know. <laughs> but no, that we get to spend an entire issue of both Captain's America trying to rescue these people from a two-bit, lousy, rotten villain like Razor Fist. I mean I was like, come on. All, all Captain America has got to do is throw a shield at the guy's head, you know, and take him out. I mean this guy is not – Captain America level quality. I, I really disliked. I strongly disliked this book. And just like you said, writing was bad. Art was bad. You know, it, where did all this time come from? I don't get it. They shouldn't have done that. Yeah. And but, Young Avengers was better, but I, I still didn't care for it. Yeah, I, I didn't like the way the characters were portrayed in it, to be honest with you. Because hmm. I did like – I liked how the characters were portrayed. It was a bad siege tie-in. That's – I don't even – I'm not even going to mince words. It's a bad Siege tie-in. I got it not because it was related to Siege, but because it's the only way you can ever read anything about these characters anymore is when they have an issue during a big crossover. When they did uh, Secret Invasion, they had a special one. When they did Civil War, they had a special one because they won't give the characters their own title anymore. Maybe their sales were bad on their initial title, but I thought they were actually pretty high, and they had just ended the story to move them into this kind of mentality well one of, the, one of the things i really like about what they did with this one shot is you know they bring back the artist that worked on the original title you know so it's, you've got that that feeling of continuity between original title and the one shot um i really dug how the how the book was drawn uh, i agree it, it wasn't a a fantastic story but i thought it was a good story um i enjoyed it i was entertained um i thought it was worth my 2.99 i don't know i i didn't dislike it i just didn't care for it as much you know i i was a huge fan of the young avenger series i, I liked where it went i i think marvel is uh is waiting on alan heinberg you know the creator of the team and the writer to to do the next series and they said the series is coming out eventually i mean they've been talking about that sequel to the young avengers miniseries you know for a while now um you know and when you're right i mean the only time uh, other than you know those that main series that we've seen them is in these crossovers. Um, but the problem is, you know, every time it's by a different writer, I see conflicting personalities. I just, I don't know. And, and there's such a big gap between when we see these characters that, you you know, some of the things just come out of left field. I'm not seeing a steady progression of character. Yeah. That's my big complaint with the way they're doing it with these just only being around for one shots. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, you know, between those three books, you know, that honestly left kind of a bad taste in my mouth. Um, I also picked up, loosely related to Siege, I guess, um, is Iron Man Legacy number one. Uh, did, am I the only one who read this this week? I think that's a yes. 
That's a yes. Um, it's actually not a bad book at all. It's written by Fred Van Linty with art by Steve Kurth, um, both guys of which I actually like very much. Um, it, it's a good story. Uh, like I said, I enjoyed it. It's a good Iron Man book. Um, I, I, it actually gives a little bit of um, insight into to, to Tony Stark's head that I hadn't seen before, so I actually enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, my main complaint on this one um, is that I don't know where it falls into continuity. Because um, I don't know if it's post... I, I, I guess... <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, you know, that's me, actually one of the reasons I didn't buy it. I picked it up and I glanced through it. It's like, is this after what we just saw in Invincible Iron Man? Is this some... And I couldn't figure out where it was supposed to fit. So I was like, yeah, maybe this is something outside like the uh, all the legacy stuff and I can just skip it. Yeah, and maybe that's what it is because it, it definitely had me confused. I really thought it was a post siege book, but then Iron Man, or Tony Stark refers to Iron Man as his bodyguard. You see Nick Fury as director of Shield. We know that's not happening. Jessica Drew of Drew Investigations, Franklin Nelson of Nelson and Murdoch. We know none of those are true right now. Um, so uh, unless those things happen post siege, which I don't see Nick Fury becoming director of Shield post siege. This is an out of continuity book. Um, but again, it, and you know, that's something I'll, we'll be talking to Fred Van Lenty next week, actually. Um, so that'll come up in a couple of weeks on the show and, and I'll talk to him about if this is truly out of, con- out of continuity, I, I would actually enjoy it even more. I, I just wish I hadn't known that going in. Um, but it's actually a, a fun story. It has some good character moments and, and it has Dr. Doom, which is, you know, always good. So I, I, I liked it. Actually, I liked Iron Man Legacy number one. And, uh, you know, if I can figure out the continuity thing or get an answer on the continuity thing, I, I will actually probably pick up number two. You know, I miss some of the old uh, branding they would do or some of the the corner things that would give you an indication of what basically what world you're playing with here. Because they have so many books out of continuity now that it would be nice to just glance and see, is this part of the regular Marvel Universe? Is this part of a banner of books like Marvel Knights used to be or is you know part of the regular X series? Because I have that problem when I look at the shelf. If it's a book I'm not reading, I don't necessarily know that it's part of you know regular storylines. I would have never guessed that uh, I think it's X-Men Legacy is the next part of Second Coming. I didn't know that was part of current storylines. It had Legacy in its name. I thought it was something older. See, but it's not. That's in current continuity. So, you know, I, I and when they refer to this as the second Iron Man ongoing series, you know, I, I know what Jonathan said about continuity. You know, you can you have four Deadpool monthlies essentially taking place at the same time. But, you know. I, I, I guess I could forgive that if the story was good, and the story is good on this, but it really conflicts with current continuity. So it, it, it definitely is either the early days of Tony Stark or something like that. Um, I just wish I hadn't known that going in. So, I, you know, I, I'm guessing I'll find out soon, and so will you, dear listeners. Um, but speaking of out of continuity, because he's dead, um, <laughs> not Tim. Tim is alive. Tim read the Savage Acts of Ares one shot this week. I did. I did. This was. This, I think this was Marvel's apology letter to Ares for turning him into a pile of splorch and potato skins. Um, <laughs> the, the cover. The cover was uh, very uh, heavy metal Conan ish, and the um, the inside was all black and white. 
and much like uh, World War Hulks, which was a bunch of you know stories, um, this, that's what the Savage Acts of Ares was. What they did better was by I think by leaving it black and white and by coordinating a little bit, the artist tried to keep the style um, similar enough that it felt like it fit. So all the stories, even though you could tell they were different artists, it, the transition was very smooth, um, and I I enjoyed it. Um, it's not a whole lot to say about the stories. It's it's Aries jumping in and out of different situations as far as um, you know proving why he's the god of war. And you know it was it was very cool. I, I enjoyed it. And he didn't win us over, but uh, <laughs> well because I think we got really burned on that Mystic Hands of Doctor Strange one shot. Uh, so so I, I was a little hesitant to pick up this one, but I'm glad to hear it was good. Yeah, uh, and it was it was three ninety nine, so I could understand. And it also it didn't say giant size; it said super issue. Super issue. <laughs> uh, but you know what didn't burn me this week is picking up a new mutants book. Oh, <laughs> you know that did burn me, but not anything to do with the story. The way it burnt me was my regular shop was sold out of it, so I had to go to the second shop. All they had was the alternate cover that they'd bumped the price up two dollars on. So instead of this being a two ninety nine book for me, it was a four ninety nine book. You know what? Elkmeo Comics doesn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> if any, they're out any of it, cover, they have strong any... copies available for you. Yeah, their variant cover is no cover. <laughs> <laughs> but in all in all honesty to uh to give some kudos over at uh empire comics where i shop uh any any cover and he'll have them on the shelf there same price wow yeah my, my regular shop does that too but they sold out but you did get it I did get it, and I did really enjoy it. I do have a question for those of you that have been reading like X Force and things like that, and that's what's up with Archangel? He's um, he's one of X Force, so he's a killer like the rest of them. Oh no, that's yeah. not my question. My question is, how does he turn from normal skin, feather wings into the metallic winged Archangel? He I have no idea, but I'm pretty sure Grant Morrison was behind it somewhere. No, no, no. That happened in the first X-Force storyline. Um, it, it's just something he can do now. He can switch back and forth. Because I, I knew that he had gotten the metal wings back, but I had no idea he had the ability to go back and forth. It kind of makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, why would you go to from Sucky to Awesome and then go back to Sucky? Well, maybe Honestly. because you can't walk in with your metal wings to Starbucks. And order a mocha latte. Maybe you the chicks can, don't dig the blue skins. <laughs> but uh, did everyone like New Mutants number 12 this week? Oh, My I book hate, of the week. Yeah, I hate to say this because I was just railing on this book, but uh, this was my book of the week. The art was awesome. Yeah, the art was oh, yeah. very good. And what I liked about it, you know, we talked about this last week, is it, it doesn't just continue the New Mutant storyline. This is a continuation of Second Coming, and even though we've seen three different books by three different writers so far, this feels like the same story continuing. You know? Yeah, it reminds me of the old Executioner song. Yes, where, where every so. issue really does continue it. Yes, you're getting a focus on a different team in the book, but it is what happens next in the story. I miss the stories like that. If you, if you ask me, this is the way a crossover event should be done. In this, the way it's doing these chapters and stuff, I I think that 
one thing that, that Siege... I, I can understand where they were going with Siege, where they wanted to show things from different perspectives. But just having that cohesive, alright, this issue, and then it's continued in this issue, then continued in this issue. You know, the way they're segmenting it by chapters rather than have you be like, when did this happen? Like we've been having with Siege. Yeah. Yeah. The transition was very smooth. And just going back to last week, I do not feel like I got ripped off having to buy a new Mutants book. I thought it was pretty cool. Even though I only care about maybe two of those people, um, I didn't. I felt like it was a very nice transition in the story. Yeah. Now, and it's still, dis- oh, you're seeing more and more of the eventual uh, confrontation you're going to have between Nightcrawler and Cyclops. I'm really looking forward to seeing that happen. I just wish they would hurry up and get hope. To the X-Men. It seems like they're dragging that out. I want Cable and Hope to end up with the X-Men because it feels like we're waiting for the next part of the story. And it's not a bad wait. I'm enjoying it. But I I want him to hook up with them. Well, full disclosure, once Second Coming's done... I won't be picking up any more issues of New Mutants or X-Men Legacy. <laughs> oh. uh, but I am enjoying this storyline. Um, and and I'm, you know, I can't afford New Mutants because I'll be picking up the Spider-Man X-Men book. <laughs> <laughs> it, it has X-Men in it. I know I'll be picking it up. Quick, uh, quick question before before we move on to to those who aren't Aaron. Did what do you what do you guys think's up with uh, Donald Pierce? Because I thought I thought he was going to be you know just faded into the background after Necrotia. What's up with that? Do you guys know what I'm talking? <laughs> about? Did you guys did you guys miss this this little subtle setup for a future conflict? No, but I didn't know who that who that uh, sack of meat was. I'm like, oh look at all these guys in tubes, and that guy's kind of smirking like he's not vegged oh, yeah. out. That's, I don't know what that means. That's the old inner circle of the Hellfire Club. Oh. I don't know. Donald Pierce was... Oh, my God. Never mind. All right. I'm sure we'll see it fleshed out in this storyline, because I don't think they'd introduce something in the storyline that wouldn't be addressed. Oh, Um, they might. Zeb Wells is good. I don't know about the rest of the guys over at Marvel, but Zeb Wells knows how to to lay seeds for for future books. And I like that. What actually surprised me, before we move on, um, is that they killed William Stryker in this book? They didn't just kill him; they they murderized him. That they was sliced awesome. him in half, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa!" Stryker just died. Um, He'll be that, back. That was, yeah, that's true. It was it was just a pretty significant death. Um, so, but the again, death of I, a the death of a recently resurrected character that Bastion brought back to life, it I don't think really qualifies as a death. That's if he point. can bring him back to life once, he can bring him back to life again. That was a really cool page, though. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, even dead storylines can come back to life, apparently, because uh, you guys are reading X-Factor Forever, aren't you? Yeah, in fact, yeah. I, I actually jumped into it this week. I picked up both uh, issues number one and two and rather enjoyed it. I am loving this book because that is the time frame of X-Factor I liked best. Mm-hmm. I loved Ship. I love Apocalypse as my favorite villain of all time. And this is just the perfect, perfect part of continuity for me. You know, I am really digging this book. So your favorite villain of all time is a man who wears makeup. Okay. <laughs> you know, with his little blue lip liner. <laughs> Dude, I did Wayne. have one huge complaint in this book, though. That he wore the blue lip liner all the way back uh, millions of years ago? Yeah, me too. Oh, no, I'm cool <laughs> with that. <laughs> I just... 
you know, I just think you're being closed-minded, Aaron. <laughs> My issue with this book, though, is the art on t- one specific page. There is a page right when the missiles bust through the building that Jean Grey has this look on her face that is possibly one of the worst drawn facial expressions I have ever seen in a comic book. And she's doing it a couple panels up above it, too. And Cyclops looks horrible on the panel above that. It really, really badly drawn page. I, I find that interesting, Wayne, because whereas you had a problem with that, uh, particular facial expression. I had a problem with the art in both issues one and two. This is the most horrid art. Oh, see, I, I love the art. I hate it. Like oh, everything's, everything's distorted. I mean, for like when you jumped into well, when I jumped into X Men Forever, one of the things that that brought me right back to that time period was how similar the art looked. Uh, to Jim Lee's old stuff. When you say, so, I, I, I think this looks very similar to Walt Simonson's art. Yeah, original. that's actually why I like the art. Is, yeah. it's, I wouldn't like this art in a regular book, in a book I'm reading right now, mm-hmm. but this art reminds me of what I remember the art looking like in that time period, yeah. except for that one panel with the really distorted facial expressions. But they're all, like, that's that's my problem with the art, is that they, they're all distorted. It does, It seems like the... It, you know, it's like it's like having a little kid draw a circle for someone's head, but the head's kind of concaved in some places because <laughs> he can't really do a circle. So, it, I I I have I have a definite problem. I was so excited to see Apocalypse, but not like this, not looking like this. Wow, I, I see. I completely disagree. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the art, and I loved how it's in that style that Walt Simonson has. Yeah, I mean, let's face it, the '80s weren't the best the best time for comic book art. Well, yeah, I guess I guess that's true. And I am like when I jumped back into X Men, I was going off of the early '90s mm-hmm. with Jim Jim Lee shit. So, wow, I'm just I'm stunned that you don't like the art. Stunned, it's, Jonathan. It's just stunned. you have shocked me to my foundations. Oh, and uh, the only other thing I didn't like about this book because I, I did enjoy the book. The only other thing I didn't like was uh, was the Apocalypse's journal stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. I I read the old uh, miniseries that was Apocalypse's Origin, mm-hmm. uh, and I thought that was great, great stuff. And uh, and this kind of goes against uh, a lot of that. And uh, I, I I like to think of that story as Apocalypse's Origin. I think they'll probably tell his origin in even more detail in this book because they basically have taken it as a here's a snapshot of everything that came after isn't going to happen and they're already throwing a lot of that at us the fact that they're looking around and they haven't found a single mutant that had a mutant child makes me think they're going to have quicksilver and uh, scarlet witch not be magneto's children either so in the uh, in the first issue the opening essay from uh louis simonson she writes that that the pitch was that it was a five issue miniseries. Is this going to go on and be a monthly? Because it doesn't feel like a miniseries to me. I thought it was a monthly. It feels I like a it was monthly. monthly. But you know, it says here uh, you know want to write a five issue X Factor Forever miniseries, picking up after the end of X Factor number sixty four. Editor Mark Panachia uh, asked me, and then she doesn't correct it anywhere in here that it's a monthly. But you know, if this is a five issue miniseries. I would think that the story would need to pick up a little bit more. 
Yeah, I'm gonna have yeah. to grab some of the older X Factor issues I have and you have boxed up and just see what were the storylines right before that issue. I don't remember if that was uh, before they went off to the other planet and ship or if it was after that. Mm-hmm. I think that was in the 40s. And it is a five-issue miniseries, guys. Is it really? Yes. I, it does Damn not, you, Paul, for crushing me. It does not feel like a miniseries. <laughs> I mean, I, the, I don't think they're near far enough into whatever story it is they're telling for it to be five issues. But, of course, you know, to have so many pages eaten up with the Apocalypse origin story really kind of shorts their story. So, you know, you're probably looking at, in terms of content, the three-issue, you know, total yeah. miniseries. But, and oh. if that's the case... I, they're just not far enough along. Into, and do you, you really don't have a sense of the overall story. You know, the first issue kind of refreshed you on who these characters are. Second issue establishes, okay, the Celestial has come back to town. It, it seems like you ought to be further along. Despite that, I enjoyed the book. It just – the pacing seems a little weird. Yeah, I really enjoy the book, and I, now I'm disappointed that it's only a mini series. Well, maybe if it does well, it'll continue, just like X-Men Forever, which is nearing the end of its season one, um, but season two starts later this year. Yes. Now this, especially knowing that X-Factor Forever is only a miniseries, this is the way it's supposed to be done, people. (laughs) X-Men Forever, number 21. The art, still. 21 issues of great-looking book. I just want to point out. And it's got a story to go along with it. Screw you, Ultimate Universe. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, I mean, at this point, you can basically completely toss away that Claremont would have done this. You know, like they try to tell you, oh, this is the way I would have taken the story. No. No, you really wouldn't have. Because uh, the whole thing leading up to this is they've been dealing with this secret organization uh, called the Consortium. And, uh, spoiler warning, uh, in, uh, in recent issues, last issue and expanded upon in this issue, we find out from a dying Fabian Cortez who the head of the consor- Consortium in is. Does anyone want to take a guess? Tony Stark. Damn you, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> It is indeed Tony Stark. <laughs> uh, shocker. Well, I, I thought it was a shocker because I didn't think that uh, Claremont would completely jump the shark like that. Do you think of it as a jump the shark moment? I I kind of do because it kind of like it, it kind of does take a little bit of the believability out of the story for me because like. I like to think of X-Men Forever as the real Marvel continuity and everything else went to an alternate dimension. So, uh, you know, but uh, that really that really jars you back into, oh yeah, this is this is just something outside. This isn't real continuity. Hmm. <laughs> well, speaking of alternate viewpoints, Paul picked up Hulked Out Heroes 1. Indeed. <laughs> nice work there, Tim. Yeah. See what I did there? And let me tell you, I picked this up. I love Jeff Parker. I love Umberto Ramos. Um, I liked Fall of the Hulks. Obviously, last week we didn't like World War Hulks number one. Um, Hulked Out Heroes, issue one of two, came out this week. Um, 
featuring Hulkpool, who, if you read the end of World War Hulks, <laughs> Deadpool has been transformed into a Hulk-like character. Does, Yay. Uh, does Dogpool make the cut this week? No, not this week. Um, I think I'm physically in pain from just hearing this. <laughs> it sounds no, no, that it bad. Hulk, Hulkpool has decided that he hates Deadpool. So he goes back in time to kill Deadpool. Um, which is kind of a funny premise if you think about it. However, uh, the storyline, which it could be good, he ends up going back too far in time and ends up coming across other adventures that other Marvel characters have taken in time. Like when Ben Grimm became a pirate. He comes across Ben Grimm as a pirate. He comes across Devil Dinosaur, uh, the Two-Gun Kid, or the Rawhide Kid, or whatever the hell his name is. Um, And at the end of the issue, he goes back to 1945 – um, and ends up running into Captain America right as the rocket takes off um, with Bucky on it. Um, so it's got some fun ideas, but I just really didn't care for this book. Uh, I know everyone's surprised to hear that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I let's face it. It's a time travel story where they can't possibly do anything to change continuity because they're not going to have, you know, Hulk pool change captain america having been you know frozen oh, I know. so it but just I mean, seems pointless to me but it could still be a fun book and the problem with with it isn't that it isn't fun it isn't the art it isn't even the ideas of the story i think my problem with it is that i really hate stories that star like stupid characters like i don't like stories that star bizarro or story or funny stories that star dumb hulk yeah. I just don't like those kinds of stories. But yet you continue to read Deadpool. But Deadpool isn't stupid. He it, it's it's a fun book. He's not like a Bizarro type character. He doesn't speak in Bizarro speak. He doesn't say Hulkpool go kill Deadpool or something like that. You know, I, I just don't like stories that star characters like that. Um, so I, I was actually very much disappointed in this book. I I, I, I was I thought it would be fun. And again, huge fan of Jeff Parker. I just, what, I'm just not digging this this two part series. You know, that kind of reminds me of my first experience with anal. You know, I thought it would be <laughs> fun, but I just wasn't digging it. <laughs> Someone well, else was of, him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of anal, I'd rather take anal than <laughs> buy the Amazing Spider Man. Um, <laughs> So luckily, that will be on the cover of the trade, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know, Paul, I, I am not, you know, I'm not buying Amazing Spider-Man right now. I wouldn't buy it right now because it looks really bad. But I have to stay out of those two choices. I, I would go with the buying it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Wayne, that's because you haven't learned how to fully relax. And you did pick up the Amazing Spider-Man Grim Hunt the Craven Saga free one-shot this week, did you? Yes, I did. And you wouldn't rather take it in the ass? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my I, god. I'd still buy a book over that. <laughs> but this you book was free. <laughs> well, yeah, so I didn't have to. But <laughs> You know, I'm reading this book. This is a precursor to the upcoming Grim Hunt storyline, which is the end of the the Spider-Man Gauntlet, where he apparent. I guess they're bringing Craven back from the dead. I don't know. Um, 
So you've got a little lead in storyline that's essentially just one big dream sequence. And then you get the history of Craven, where they basically do a little paragraph on every appearance Craven made before he died. And, you know, reading it, I'm like, holy crap. Craven is a much stupider character than I remember. Hmm. You know, the only good thing that he did was die, apparently, because, you know, reading over all his appearances, he just had a shitty life. I, you know, I had kind of the too. same reaction, except I actually I thought the art was pretty good in the preview, much better than the regular art I've seen in Amazing Spider-Man. I the preview was actually a little bit interesting to me. I don't don't know that I'll be picking up the actual Amazing Spider-Man for that, but reading through the back, I had the same reaction. I remembered Kraven as being this really cool, amazing character, and all of these bits that they're showing you about his appearances, he seems really lame. Yeah, it's like, oh, Craven had three kids, and one turned out to be a Hollywood producer, and he hired a giant alien called Gog, and, you know, he fought Kazar and got his ass kicked, and then he hired a monkey to kill Spider-Man. It's like, what? Seriously? And the sad <laughs> it thing is, worse and worse. I have some of these stories that they're talking about that sound really lame. And, and I, they made it to the house? <laughs> that they did. I have oh, Craven's Last Hunt. I have the the mini series they did with Craven's son, and I remember enjoying it, but it sounds really lame. Craven's yeah, I mean, Last let's be Hunt honest though. Craven's awesome. Last Hunt. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tim. I was Aaron. Craven's oh. Last Hunt was awesome. I just yeah. absolutely love that story. That's one of the best Spider-Man stories of all time. I, I mean, let's be honest. But apparently, the rest of Craven's life was crap. and the rest of his kid's life you know i'm reading it and it's like oh and then his kid died and then his other kid died and then his other kid died (laughs) but he has another kid shocker you know it's like come on give me a his other kid was shocker (laughs) no but you know what i didn't know and everyone's going to be surprised to hear this i did not know that chameleon was craven's brother i I I never know that either the chameleon is craven's brother i didn't i never knew that I remembered that, but I don't. I only remember it being an issue after Craven was dead. Probably, you know. I, I just that, that was about the only thing I got out of Grim Hunt, the Craven saga that I enjoyed. But you know, it was free, so can I really complain? Apparently so. And I didn't have to take. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I think what we have really learned here is that Paul has a much lower ass play threshold (laughs) (laughs) that is definitely true (laughs) well you know since we're still on talking about ass play we might as well talk about the ultimate universe because some of us are still taking it in the ultimate universe (laughs) (laughs) everything else ultimate that's coming out may be crap but ultimate enemy is still good yeah, I still really enjoyed this issue. I, I mean, they only have a, one more issue left of this miniseries. If they don't spectacularly blow that last issue, they will have successfully done the first good ultimate miniseries in a long time. You know, I had only one complaint about this book, and it was extremely minor. Uh, but otherwise, I really enjoyed it. The complaint that I had is I just didn't care for how they, they drew uh, uh, Carol Danvers in the story. You know, they had her in essentially a man's business suit. And yeah. I, I didn't care for that. I thought it looked stupid. But uh, other than that, I, I thought it was a great story. I'm left asking a bunch of questions. I really want to know what the hell's going on with the thing. Um, you know, they have continued to build on the story where he was losing, you know, rocks off his body, and now he's all glowy on the inside. 
Yeah, and, and I find it interesting they keep telling us – they keep reminding us every issue that Reed Richards is dead. Yeah. I don't believe for a second Reed Richards is dead. But I hope he is. Uh, yeah, that's that's one of the things I think they need to do more of in the Ultimate Universe is actually make some profound changes in that universe so that it does stand apart as unique from the regular Marvel U. Um, I would love for the fact that you know the Fantastic Four has to figure out you know who is going to be you know fill that role, and I think what we, they have kind of established in the Ultimate Universe is that Susan Storm is awfully smart on her own. You know yeah. that she well, is. I'm she, gonna- you know, I remember some of the Fantastic Four stories I enjoyed the most back in the day was when Reed was dead and Sue was leading the team. Mm-hmm. And they actually had a chance to let her step up and develop her as a character. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go on record as saying that I really think that Reed Richards is the new Doctor Doom of the Ultimate Universe. Why do I think that? Because Ultimate Enemy, it was just announced, is the first part of a trilogy – it's going to be Ultimate Comics Mystery and then Ultimate Comics Doom. Huh. So, you know, I, I think they might be actually building up to the reveal as Reed Richards as the Ultimate Comics Doctor Doom. Since we know Doctor Doom, for those of us who read it, died at the end of Ultimatum when he had his head squished. Yeah. Oh, man. You're going to have a stretchy Doom? Ugh. <laughs> See, I wouldn't mind him coming back as Doom because – Basically, the way that they've killed him in this book, if he actually ends up being dead, I'll have an issue with that because his powers shouldn't have let him be killed like that. If it's this thing that's growing, it's not going to crush him because he's stretchy. They've established in Ultimate Fantastic Four early on that Reed doesn't breathe anymore, that he doesn't need to eat or drink, that there's no way that he could have died in that situation. Now – Turning evil because his family got killed in front of him? Yeah, I could see that. I really liked it. I, you know, I'm, I'm right there with you, Wayne. Unless they, uh, you know, have some kind of spectacular issue and uh, spectacular failure in number four, this has actually been a, a, a very entertaining series. Yeah, because Don't worry, no Paul series just... would ever do that. Blackest night. <laughs> yeah, but hey, this isn't DC, Jonathan. Paul's well, <laughs> Secret Invasion, Civil War. Paul just pointed out that this is a uh, a trilogy, so I'm sure even if this one's good, they can screw up the last two. Well, you That's know, I, their their trilogy for um, uh, the Galactus Silver Surfer, I really enjoyed that. I don't think anyone read that. I did. I, I read did. all. I love that. I've got it in trade. I love that series. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I did, but I didn't enjoy it. And read- as far as far as. Uh, ballsy moves killing off characters i'd just like to point out that chris claremont sold 21 issues of an x book without magneto or wolverine thank you (laughs) (laughs) which is one more indication that's not what he would have actually done if it were continuing to write it marvel would have never let him kill wolverine then never damn you joe fasada well speaking of the fact that I, I'm bad with the transition. Someone transition us to an indie spotlight. Hey, look, it's indie spotlight time. <laughs> <Woo>! Indie spotlight. <laughs> Woo! That uh, was difficult. Yeah, see, <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to look shiny. Um, <laughs> you can shine a spotlight on whatever book you want, Paul. Oh. Ooh. Well, I'm going to... <laughs> uh, this week I read Atomic Robo and the Revenge of the Vampire Dimension, issue number two. Um, if you remember when issue one, number one came out, it was my book of the week. I absolutely loved it. Issue two, of course, it's not my book of the week because Flash number one came out this week, but it was still a great book. Um, it features Atomic Robo going to Tokyo, 
and essentially like a, an homage to the Power Rangers or you know to, to that type of entertainment. Um, he meets up with uh, the uh, Super Science Team Go or something like that, <laughs> <laughs> and and they're dressed like the Power Rangers, and you know they fight a giant monster, and it's a, it's a lot of fun. It's silly. It's a great time. If you're not reading Atomic Robot by now, you really should be. Um, my only disappointment in the book is that they build up to the reveal of a giant like robot, like a Megazord or something. Um, and I really thought it would call back to things like Voltron and stuff like that. Uh, but instead, it just looks like a giant atomic robo, which was a little disappointing to me. I was hoping for to continue that Power Rangers homage. And even though I never watched Power Rangers, you know, I was a fan of that type of entertainment as a kid. Oh, you, know, you missed like, out, man. You know, at, least, had, at least with the first season. Yeah, well, you know, I had things like Voltron and stuff like same shit, you know, Battle of the Planets and all that type of stuff. No, it's not. It's not the same. They don't have the big <laughs> power. Power Rangers was better than Voltron. <laughs> nice. Power Rangers was better than Voltron. There, I said it. <laughs> uh, power sorry. Rangers did have Kimberly. It did. There you yeah. go. Live action hottie is better than drawn hottie. Yeah, is- and she and after she was off the show, she. She posed nude, so I got yeah. to grow up masturbating vigorously to her. <laughs> Pink Ranger. Yeah. <laughs> that was a big side, Tim. Are you watching the Pink Ranger right now? No, that just that just that whole discussion about that book just hurt my brain. <laughs> Sorry. But that was that's, my indie book of the week. That and, discussion uh, was irredeemable. <laughs> As was Irredeemable Special Number 1, except it was Irredeemable in a good way. Um, this is another one of those uh, – like Mark Wade is – this is his story, but in this case, he's got three different artists doing different stories in it that kind of build on the world. It's not the next part of the Irredeemable story. It's more of a here are the origins of a couple of characters. Here's something else that's going on on the side, and it's laying the groundwork for whatever he has coming next. And it was really cool to see how their version of Batman basically became a hero and his resentment of their version of Superman and, you know, how basically he's going through all this trouble to become a hero. And here this guy just shows up with powers, reckless, and, you know, he doesn't have to learn how to do anything. And, yeah, I really enjoyed this book. I like getting the background of some of these characters. I like the setup for what's going forward. Irredeemable is one of the most interesting Superman gone evil stories I've read in a long time for not actually being Superman. I really enjoyed Irredeemable. I've read the first two trades and really digging it. I I I I love how just broken the character is in terms of you know no conscience. There is an internal logic going on that you're kind of getting an insight to, but you know wiping out cities. You know, killing his his friends. I mean, just doing all the things that somebody with Superman level powers would might do if they had just turned really, really evil. Yeah, and I love every time it goes back and gives us little hints at what drove him to this. Yeah. And you realize he put up with a lot of shit before he snapped. Yeah. You know, if you can hear everything going on in the world, yeah, you're going to have people making fun of you here and there. You're going to hear all that. You're dealing with, you know, just how stupid humans can actually be sometimes and the frustration. I mean, yeah, yeah it's just, a really interesting take. I just want to warn you guys that starting next week, I will have Superman level powers. <laughs> so you're on notice. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll kick your ass. 
So you can hear all the stuff I say when I mute. That that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing so, you know, you know what book we didn't talk about this week, and I think you guys are kind of going to be proud that we didn't talk about it. Batgirl. Because I didn't buy it anymore. <laughs> I am so proud of you, Wayne. You know, I thought about picking it up this week and decided better. <laughs> I've been burned to too many times by the title. Doesn't matter if I like the character or not. The book is a bad book. I'm done with it. Congratulations, Wayne. Yeah, wow, Wayne. And you're not doing JSA anymore either? Nice job. Yeah. <laughs> broke up with Stephanie Brown or whatever her name is. And no, Star Girl over like- JSA All-Star. It's a lot like smoking. I bet you're going to be sneaking issues of Batgirl every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> or reading them in public bathrooms. Yeah. <laughs> On the website this week, you have an opportunity to win our huge, gigormous, blackest night giveaway. Contest ends on Friday, April the 23rd at 11.59 Central p.m. in the evening. Uh <laughs> At night. (laughs) (laughs) Right before midnight. (laughs) Uh, Real easy to enter. All you got to do is uh, click on the uh, link in the show notes. Tell us about uh, which character in the DC universe you feel like should stay dead or should be resurrected. And uh, we'll pick a lucky winner and announce it on next week's show. I'm loving some of the answers I've seen in that thread. Oh, yeah. It's a great thread. Someone particularly talking about... uh, you know, I'm glad that Jason Todd is still dead. I, that cracked me up. <laughs> it's uh, like, dude, please, that's some bad Please news. do enter because the storage fees on all the stuff we're tra- they were trying to give away is, is hurting the budget. <laughs> it really yeah. is. And well, you know, you know what? Speaking of clearing out storage, this is a perfect time to announce free, fu- <laughs> free funny book day. I got animated and I knocked over shit in my uh-huh. room. <laughs> uh, at least I didn't just you know unplug my microphone this time. We appreciate um, that, Paul. Yeah, free funny book day. Um, our first free funny book day. You know, last year for free comic book day, we gave away a hundred comic books, um, and apparently they sucked. But you know, this year <laughs> we're going to step up our game um, on free funny book day, which is the first Monday in May. So, free comic book day is at your local comic shop on Saturday, May first. That following Monday, May 3rd, is going to be Free Funny Book Day at ideologyofmadness.com. And we're going to have tons of contests and tons of prizes. Um, Do we want to give away what some of our prizes are? Go ahead and tell them, Paul. Okay. We're giving away uh, multiple copies. I mean, not to the same person. That would be shitty. Um, (laughs) But we've got um, Flash number one with the Flash ring to give away. Brightest Day number zero and Brightest Day number one with the accompanying black rings and white white rings. Um, We've got Deadpool trades signed by Daniel Way. We've got Choker number one from Image Comics signed by writer Ben McCool and artist Ben Templesmith. And we're working on even more prizes to give away. Hopefully we're going to have a new contest every hour that day. Uh, So it's going to be a huge day. You should definitely check it out. Um, you know, especially if you don't win that Blackest Night contest, but you should definitely enter that one too at www.ideologyofbadness.com. It's going to be crazy! I'm just hoping to win Wayne's Archie 3000 uh, series. <laughs> you know, Paul, some of those titles you mentioned, I was thinking about picking them up, I just didn't have the cash. 
<laughs> I'm not saying it. I already announced it live on the show. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you want to randomly select me, <laughs> uh, you got to enter the contest. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, hosts on the show are not eligible to win. Uh, Paul told me that after our first contest. I uh, yeah. sorry. I'll get Danielle to enter. <laughs> there you go. If I can't win Man. the Razzle hardback. You can't win this stuff. We are going to be giving away a ton of stuff, so definitely check that out. Uh, free Funny Book Day, Monday, May 3rd. All righty, guys. Good hustle this week. Good hustle. Appreciate y'all coming together. And- what are you talking about hustle? We said keep it to an hour, and we're now at two hours. <laughs> well, if we hadn't had to talk so much about how much you like it in the ass, uh, <laughs> we probably could have wrapped this up a little sooner. But we'll no. Just out with the indie spotlight. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a good week. We'll talk to y'all later. Take care. Bye. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Mm-hmm.